recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogonia Saturdays. Last night, I had um, made an announcement about my appearance at the Fellowship of God's Covenant People in Kentucky. What I forgot to include was the fact that the recording is on the front page of Christogonia, if anybody is interested in hearing it. It was recorded on my cell phone, which worked pretty good. Praise Yahweh, and thank you for listening. Tonight, Sword Brethren was supposed to be with me, and he's a little under the weather. We were intending on presenting this speech from Adolf Hitler that I am going to present anyway. This speech is... Actually, it's a testament to Hitler's ability to um, convey his message, to excite his people, and to do it extemporaneously. This was not a planned appearance by Adolf Hitler. It was not a prepared speech. And in that manner, as we'll see at the end of the speech, it's it, it lends to Adolf Hitler's credibility. This speech <clears throat> was made on May 1st, 1933. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat, I guess. This speech was um, given on at, at a May Day gathering where the president, Hindenburg, von Hindenburg, had given a speech And to elucidate what happened next, I have a newspaper article in front of me from the St. Petersburg Evening Independent, dated for May 1st, 1933, the very day and only hours after the speech was given. On the front page, they have an article that states, Berlin crowds demand speech by chancellor. And the subtitle is, Hitler makes unexpected appearance as Throng gives Hindenburg a great ovation. I'll read the first couple of paragraphs of this article. Unfortunately, I don't have the entire article because I've only found the reproduction online of the first page of the paper. Berlin, May 1st, Associated Press. Thousands of Berlin youths clamored so loudly for Chancellor Adolf Hitler that he made an unscheduled appearance before them today in the first big nationalist May Day celebration. Chief honors in the youth demonstrated demonstration in the Lust Garden were planned for President von Hindenburg, who delivered the principal address. The Chancellor, meaning Adolf Hitler, did not intend to speak until the demonstration at the Tempelhof Aerodrome tonight. He limited himself to proposing three cheers for the president. You are the future of the German nation, the venerable president told thousands of youngsters as he formally opened the Day of National Labor. The article goes on to describe parts of Hindenburg's message and sadly I don't have it in order to present it here. But that article was written in the St. Petersburg Evening Independent in response to this speech, this impromptu speech that Adolf Hitler presented and that we are about to present here in English. This um, this speech, this copy and translation of the speech were provided by derfuhrer.org. 
Please bear with me a second. I'm having a mouse problem. I'll post the link to the speech in defuror.org when the um, when the program is posted on Christagenia. Adolf Hitler, speech in Lustgarten, Berlin, the day of national labor. German boys, German girls, three cheers for our Reich president, Field Marshal von Hindenburg, the great soldier and leader of the World War. Erlebe hock, 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 or he lived high, high, high. Somehow I think that the cheer has lost some of its um, idiomatic meaning in the translation. German folk, you are strong when you are one. German folk, you are not second class, even if the world wants you to be a thousand times over. Hitler is basically referring to the belittlement of the German people by the French and the English and others after World War I and during the Weimar Republic, a period in which Germany bore great reproach. German folk, forget 14 years of disintegration and rise up to 2,000 years of German history. German Volksgenossen, meaning German fellows. Der Mai ist gekommen, which is a German saying for May has arrived. That is how a German folk song puts it. And for many centuries, the first day of May was, only, was not only symbolic of spring's arrival in the countryside, it was also a day of joy, of festive spirits, and sentiments. There came a time when this day was enlisted for other purposes. Hitler is speaking about the rise of Marxism and the appropriation of the Spring Festival for Marxist purposes in the 19th century. There came a time when this day was enlisted for other purposes, and the day of new life and hopeful joy was transformed into a day of quarrel and internal strife, a dogma which had seized hold of our folk, attempted to transform the day of awakening nature, of the visible approach of spring, into a day of hate, of fraternal strife, of discord, and of suffering. Centuries passed by this German country, and this day seemed more and more destined to document the division and disunity of our folk. But there finally came a time of reflection, too, after the deepest suffering had seized our folk, a time of inward turning and for the German people to come together again. Hitler is referring to the class warfare, the, the hatred of other classes in a society which Marxism was instilling in the working classes of Europe in the 19th century. Naturally, in a normally functioning society, white society, of course, all societies are white. There are no non-white societies, right? In a properly functioning society, the classes don't hate each other. That's Jewish propaganda that was instilled into the working classes in the 19th century so that the Jews could overthrow European civilization and abscond it for themselves, which they've done pretty successfully to continue with Adolf Hitler. And today we can once more join in singing the old folk song, Der Mai ist gekommen, May has come. 
Our folks' awakening has come to pass. The symbol of class conflict, of never-ending strife and discord, is now becoming once again the symbol of the great unity and uprising of the nation. And thus, for all time to come, we have chosen this day when nature awakens as the day of regaining our own power and strength. And at the same time, the productive work which knows no limits, which is not bound to unions or factories or offices, work which we wish to recognize and promote wherever it is performed in a positive sense for the very existence and the life of our folk. The German folk has a gruesome crisis behind it, but it is not as though this were due to a lack of industry. No, millions in our folk are working like before. Millions of peasants are walking behind their plows as in the past. Millions of workers are standing at the workbench, hammering to the sound of the ringing anvil. Millions in our folk are working, and millions more want to work, but they cannot. Tens of thousands voluntarily put an end to an existence which, for them, holds only grief and misery. They have traded it for the next world, in which they hope for something more and better. Appalling suffering and misfortune have descended upon us and brought in their wake despondency and even despair. And we now ask ourselves why it is a political crisis. The German folk has become disintegrated internally. Its entire vitality is being used up in the internal struggle. The ability to build on the power of one's own will has dwindled. People's faith in the power of the individual has diminished. Millions are eyeing the rest of the world in the hope that it will bestow upon them good fortune and well-being. Let me interject that we must remember that before National Socialists rose to power in Germany, the German people were every bit the victims of the Jewish-inspired, of the Jewish-engineered Great Depression that America, Britain, and the rest of the free world were. Adolf Hitler pulled them out of that mess by liberating them from the Jewish central bankers. That's why Germany had to be destroyed. To continue with Adolf's speech, the folk is disintegrating and its vitality, its power to assert its own life is fading with this disintegration. We see the consequences of this class conflict around and within us, and we want to learn from this, for there is one thing we have recognized as a primary requirement for the recovery of our folk. The German folk must once again come to know itself. The millions of people divided into professions, separated into artificial classes, which, infested by arrogance of rank and class madness, which I must interject that the Jewish media instilled into the people, are no longer able to understand each other. They must find their way back together. A gigantic, tremendous task. We know it. But when madness has been upheld and preached as a political idea for 70 years, then the destruction of the Volksgemeinschaft, which is the people's community, has been the political rule for 70 years. Then it is difficult to seek to change people's minds overnight. We must not allow this to let us become despondent and despair. What one man has built, another can tear down. What human madness once created can be overcome by the power of reason. We know that this process of coming to know and understand each other cannot be a matter of weeks or months or even of a mere few years. 
We do, however, have the unshakable will to accomplish this great task before German history. We have the resolution to lead German people back together and, if necessary, to force them back together. That is the meaning of May Day, which shall be celebrated in Germany from now on and throughout the centuries Hitler was quite the optimist, so that all those who were active in the great machinery of our productive national work may join together and extend their hands to one another once a year in the realization that nothing can be accomplished unless everyone contributes his share of work and efforts. And thus, as our motto for this day, we have chosen the sentence, honor the work and respect the worker. Hitler here is trying to seize the ancient Germanic celebration of May Day back from the Marxists. And I continue. For millions, it is difficult to overcome all the hate and misunderstandings which have been artificially cultivated in the past and find their way back together. There is one realization which allows us to tread this path more easily. Take a person who is working, wherever it may be. He should and must not forget that his Volkgenasse, or national comrade, who is doing his duty just like him, is indispensable. That the nation does not subsist on the work of a government of a certain class or in the products of its intelligence, but rather lives from the mutual and harmonious work of all. When millions believe that the type of work itself is any indication of the worthiness of those who execute it, this is a bitter mistake. There are many tens of thousands among us who do not want to make respect for the individual dependent upon the type of work he does. No, not what he does, but rather how he does it must be the decisive factor. The fact that millions among us are industrious year in, year out, without ever being able to hope to gain riches or even only to achieve a life without cares, that should oblige everyone to support them all the more. For it is their idealism and their devotion alone which makes it possible for the whole to exist and to live. It would be a sorry fate today if this idealism in our folk were to fade and the value of an individual were to be judged solely by the external fortunes of life which have fallen to his lot. The value of our folk would then no longer be great and its term of existence would not be long. It is useless to explain to the worker that he is important or to prove to the peasant the necessity of his existence. Useless to approach the intellectual, the mental worker, in order to make him understand the importance of what he does. It is necessary to teach each rank and class the significance of the other ranks and classes. And therefore, we want to go forth into the cities to proclaim to them the necessity and the essentiality of the German peasant and go out into the country and to our thinkers and teach them the significance of the German working class. We want to go to the worker and to the peasant to teach them that there can be no German life unless there is a German spirit, that they all must unite to form a great community. Spirit, hand, and mind, worker, peasant, and burger. This is... Um, this is a very Christian ideal and very reminiscent of Paul's discourse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
where he explains that all body parts are of equal value, even those parts with little comparative value to the others. Because the body as a whole does not function well without any one of them. Therefore, we esteem all parts of the body. Hitler's look at the German national body was very much like Paul's assessment of the body of Christ. I'm certain that Adolf Hitler received his inspiration from those Christian sources. This 1st of May shall also convey to the German folk the realization that industry and work alone do not make up life if they are not wed to the power and the will of the people. Industry and work, power and will, only if they join forces, only when the strong fist of the nation is raised to protect and shelter the work, only then can real blessings result. And this day shall also make the German folk conscious of one thing. German folk. You are strong when you are united. When you banish from your heart the spirit of a class conflict and your discord. Hitler is basically in this speech giving a thesis against Marxism. You can place an enormous power behind your work if you unite that work with your entire Volkstum's will to live. A Volkstum is what we would call folkdom, the entire people's will to live. We dream of a state of the German nation which is capable of once more securing our folks' daily bread on earth, and we know that this requires the concentrated force of the nation. Today, Though today Marxism scoffs that this will never work, we will provide proof that it does. My friends, things that are great in this world are never free. One must fight bitterly for everything. Similarly, it will not be an easy matter for the uprising of the folk to become reality. It, too, requires an inner struggle. We should not complain today. We know that we will earn this uprising. We will earn the freedom of our folk. And then it will be proven that Marxism was no more than mere theory and, as such, attractive and seductive, but in reality, incapable of bringing real profit and good fortune to a people. This first of May shall document that we do not intend to destroy, but rather plan to build up. One should not choose the most beautiful spring day of the year as a symbol of fight, but as a symbol of constructive work, not as an embodiment of decay and thus disintegration, but only of Volkish, German ethnic, solidarity and thus of rising up. It is no coincidence that our opponents who claim to have been celebrating this day for 70 years now and who have been in power in Germany for 14 years, the Weimar Republic, have not, in spite of everything, succeeded in gaining hold of the German folk on this day as we have done from the very beginning. The folk unconsciously perceives in its core that any celebration of the Marxist type was contrary to the springtide season. It did not want hate. The folk did not want hate. It did not want struggle. It wanted uplifting Christian edification. And today, the folk senses it. The 1st of May has recovered its true intrinsic meaning. That is the reason 
why millions throughout Germany are joyfully pouring forth to bear witness to a will which desires to take part in the reconstruction of the nation. And while we observe this holiday for the first time today, let us call to mind our aims for the time which lies before us. Without faltering, shall we struggle to ensure that the power captured by the new concept, the new political faith in Germany, will never fade again, but instead grow stronger and stronger. We want to fight to ensure that this new idea rises above all of Germany and gradually captivates the entire German folk within its spell. With courage and determination, we want to fight this flag of the resurrection, I'm sorry, we want to defend this flag of the resurrection of our folk against anyone who believes he can tear it down. We want to reawaken our folk's self-esteem and self-confidence and attempt to increase them on a permanent basis. We know the time which lies behind us and those who typified it. They intentionally inoculated our folk with the idea that it was, as a whole, inferior in the world, incapable of great deeds. And I must add that this pattern which the Jews set in Germany during the Weimar years were repeated in America in the Vietnam years. Not worthy of the rights accorded all others, they artificially cultivated inferiority complexes because this corresponded to the inferiority of the parties which seduced this folk for long years. We want to release the folk from this spell, want to continually impress upon it this belief, German folk, a belief in one's own people. You are not second class, even if the world wishes it so a thousand times over. You are not of lesser value, of lesser significance. German folk, remember what you are. Remember your past and the accomplishments of your fathers, of your very own generation. Forget 14 years of disintegration and rise to 2,000 years of German history. We have called out to you this way, my Volksgenossen throughout Germany, from the first day onwards, to instill in all of you this conviction from a feeling of inner solidarity. Germans, you are a strong folk if you will yourself to be strong. The millions who are demonstrating in Germany today will return home with the feeling of a newly won power and inner unity. I know, my comrades, that tomorrow your tread will be firmer again than it was yesterday. For all of us feel it. Today it may be possible to rape the nation, to put it in chains, but it is no longer possible to break or humiliate it. Thus it is also our desire on this day to fortify the confidence not only in yourself, German folk, no, but the confidence in your government too, which feels bound to you and is a part of you, which belongs to you, which fights with you for your life, which has no other purpose but to make you, German folk, free and happy once more. And finally today, our solidarity is to be documented for all time by an act. When we first presented the idea of compulsory labor service to the public, the representatives of the dying Marxist world raised a great outcry declaring that that is a new attack on the proletariat, an attack on work, an attack on a life 
of the worker. Why did they do that? They knew very well that it would never be an attack on work and much less an attack on the worker, but merely an attack on a terrible prejudice, namely that manual labor is inferior, as we see the Marxists and the Jews have always esteemed it. We want to wipe out this prejudice in Germany at a time when millions in our ranks live without any comprehension of the significance of manual labor. We want to bring the German folk by means of compulsory labor service to the realization that manual labor does not discredit, does not degrade, but rather, just as any other activity, does honor to him who performs it faithfully and honestly. I would interject that if you could see the parallels in history, in this era today, the Jews have convinced all of the West once more that manual labor is of no value. And therefore, we have basically gone along with the movement of most of our labor to China, to India, and elsewhere. Because labor is an object of Jewish exploitation and is not treated as a resource of value to a nation wherever the Jews are in control. Here, in 1933 in Germany, Hitler is leading his people to once again realize that manual labor is the core of the health of a nation that we need to do our own labor. If we'd make our own trinkets, if we'd pick our own cotton, we wouldn't have all of the problems that we've had in our history. Back to Adolf. Well, let me say that, let, let me add this. The Jewish speculation of labor is an age-old problem Hitler wrote about that very thing in Mein Kampf, and I have a long excerpt here to include. Hitler wrote that the Jewish exploitation of labor had been going on before the First World War. A casual observer can detect that America has suffered these things at the hands of Jewish speculation in modern times. This is from Mein Kampf, the, Murphy, the James Murphy translation, the copy that's on the Mein Kampf project at Christogenia, and it's from pages 135 and 136. And I quote, a serious state of economic disruption was being brought about by the slow elimination of the personal control of vested interests and the gradual transference of the whole economic structure into the hands of joint stock companies. Hitler's talking about Germany in the 19th century. In this way, labor became degraded into an object of speculation in the hands of unscrupulous exploiters. The depersonalization of property ownership increased on a vast scale, and he means industrial property. Financial exchange circles began to triumph and made slow but sure progress in assuming control of the whole of national life. Germany was run by the stock markets, just as we saw America in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, run by the stock markets. Today, America is run by hedge funds, Jewish speculators, buyout firms, and on and on. Back to Mein Kampf. Before the war, the internationalization of the German economic structure had already begun by the roundabout way of share issues. It is true that a section of the German industrialists made it a, a, a determined attempt to avert the danger. They didn't want publicly held companies that, that were broken up into stocks and held by speculators. But in the end, they gave way before the united attacks of money-grabbing capitalism, which was assisted in this fight by its faithful henchmen in the Marxist movement. 
It's the pincher attack. Jewish capitalism and Jewish communism, it all leads to Talmudism. The persistent war, and we've seen this in America, the persistent war against German heavy industries was the visible start of the internationalization of German economic life as envisaged by the Marxists. This, however, could only be brought to a successful conclusion by the victory which Marxism was able to gain in the revolution. In the U.S., it was actually done a different way. It was done through regulation and labor unions. One more line from my comp. As I write these words, success is attending the general attack on the German state railways, which are now to be turned over to international capitalists. Right now in America, it's our interstate highway system. Thus, international social democracy has once again attained one of its main objectives. The Jews hate Hitler. They hate Hitler because he had them pegged. Anybody who claims Hitler's a Jew, anybody who scoffs at Adolf Hitler will never have the recipe required by which we can wake up and realize exactly what the Jews have done to us. Back to Adolf Hitler's speech. It remains our firm decision to lead every single German, be he who he may, whether rich or poor, whether the son of scholars or the son of factory workers, to experience manual labor once in his lifetime so that he can come to know it, so that he can here one day more easily take command because he has learned obedience in the past. We intend by no means to eliminate Marxism only in an external sense, we are resolved to remove its very foundations. We want to spare coming generations the mental confusion it causes. Mental and manual workers must never be allowed to be on opposite sides. As we saw again, history repeat itself in America in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. For this reason, we are exterminating that feeling of arrogance which so readily befalls the individual and makes him look down upon comrades who only stand at the workbench or the machine or walk behind the plow. Not only must every German become acquainted at least once with this type of work, but vice versa too. The manual worker must realize that the mental worker is also necessary. And he must be taught that no one has the right to look down upon others. The eye should say that it's not part of the body because it's not a hand. Rather, both parts are equally valuable. No one has the right to look down upon others, to imagine oneself something better. Rather, each must be willing to join the great community. This year, for the first time, we will turn this great ethical concept, which we connect with the Arbeitsdienst, or labor service, into reality. And we know that when 40 years have passed, the term manual work will have undergone a change in meaning for billions of people, just as the term Lonsnecht has come to be replaced by the concept of the German soldier. And I must add that Lonsnecht was originally a servant of the country and evidently the term came to be used of mercenary soldiers and later of regular German soldiers. 
This year, we will also accomplish the great task of liberating creative initiative from the disastrous influences of majority resolutions, not only in Parliament, but in the economy as well. We know that our economy cannot advance unless a synthesis can take place between the freedom of the creative spirit and the obligation to the folk as a whole. Thus, it will also be our task to give to the treaties the meaning they deserve. Man does not live for the sake of treaties. Treaties are there in order to make it possible for man to live. And finally, this year, we will endeavor to finish the first lap on the way to an organic management of the economy. Hitler's code word for getting rid of the Jewish speculators. And we will proceed on the basic realization that there is no advancement which does not begin at the root of the national volkish and economic life, the peasant. Hitler recognizes the peasants, the farm workers, as the root of the national and economic life. In contrast, the Bolsheviks despised and abused the peasants. Back to Hitler. There begins the path which leads the worker to the worker and further on to the intellectual. Thus we will begin with our husbandmen, the farmer, and as first priority, lead his business back to health. We know that this is the foremost prerequisite for the recovery of the rest of the economy. The opposite has been done now for 14 years. The Jew destroys agriculture everywhere. And we are witnessing the results. It has helped neither the urban dweller, nor the worker, nor the middle stand. They have all been forced to the brink of destruction. And this leads to yet another task, the elimination of unemployment by a program providing employment. We are dividing this employment program into two parts. First of all, there is private provision of employment. Before the year is over, we will have set out to accomplish a work of greatness, a work which will put German structures and buildings back in order and thus provide work for hundreds of thousands. At this time and in this place, we want to direct our appeal to the German folk for the first time. German folk do not believe that the problem of providing employment will be solved in the stars. You yourself must lend a hand towards solving it. You must do everything you can out of understanding and trust to provide work. Each and every person has the duty not to hesitate to provide that which he requires, not to wait to produce what he will have once have to produce. Every entrepreneur, every property owner, every businessman, every private person has the duty to bear German labor in mind, not Mexican labor. Since today the world is circulating untrue allegations against us, since German labor is being denounced, we must expect each German to take on his work. Hitler is referring to, mostly to the Jewish-inspired boycotts of German goods, which began with Samuel Untermeyer's declaration of war against Germany. This is an appeal which, directed to millions of individuals, is best able to provide work for millions of people. We will also attempt to provide public employment opportunities on a large scale within the current year. We are installing a program which we do not want to pass on to posterity, the program of building a new road system, a gigantic undertaking which will require billions. We will sweep away resistance and make a great beginning. We will thereby introduce a series of public work projects which will help to steadily decrease the unemployment rate. <clears throat> now, a lot of people might criticize Hitler for basically doing 
And, and Hitler, of course, announced this first because in May of 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had just been inaugurated into the U.S. presidency. That the um, Hitler might be criticized for duplicating Roosevelt. However, this is a huge difference. Adolf Hitler did it without debt. The money which Hitler created in order to pay these workers on these public work projects was money created by the German state, not by the Jew bankers. The money which Roosevelt used for all his work projects was money that was created by the Jew bankers, loaned to the American government, and then owed back to the Jews with interest. So Hitler was successful. And Roosevelt's public work projects were really only temporary patches on an ailing economy and never really, never at all got us out of the Depression. Only the war and the magical appearance of all the Jewish money and investment, which was pumped into the economy in order to create an environment that corporate America could start producing war armaments. Only that got us out of the Depression. Back to Adolf Hitler. We want to work, and we will work. However, in the end, everything depends upon the German folk itself, on you, on the confidence you place in us. It depends on the force of your belief in the national state. Only when you all unite in the single will to save Germany will the German individual be able to find his salvation in Germany. We know that we still have tremendous difficulties to overcome. We also know that all human labors are doomed to fail if they are not blessed by the light of providence. Hitler here invokes his belief and trust in God as well as in his nation. But we do not belong to those who comfortably rely on the hereafter in other words, you don't have to do anything in this life because you're saved. Hitler rejected that. He believed in the hereafter, but he believed that man must toil and face the challenges he is presented with in this life. And that is certainly true. That is a lesson in the parables. But we do not belong to those who comfortably rely on a hereafter. Nothing will be given us for free. Just as for us, the road from the past 14 years to the present day has been a road of incessant struggle, a road which often led us near despair. The road to a better future will also be difficult. The world is persecuting us. It is turning against us. It does not wish to recognize our right to live, does not want to admit that we have a right to protect our homeland. Of course, the Jews were intent on destroying Germany for all time and destroying the German people. We were their whores. My German Volksgenossen, national comrades, the fact that the world is so against us is all the more reason why we must become a unified whole. All the more reason for us to continually assure the world, you can do whatever you want, but you will never break us, never force us to submit to any yoke. You will no longer be able to wipe out the cry for equal rights in our folk equal rights of the German people with those of other nations. The German folk has come to its senses. It will no longer tolerate a people in its midst 
who are not for Germany. Of course, we know who Hitler's referring to. Hitler had a lot more faith in the German people than many of them may be worthy of now. We want to earn the renewed assent of the nation by honest means, through our industry, our persistence, our unshakable will. We are not asking of the Almighty, Lord, make us free. Hitler was a Christian who knew that there are no free rides, that we are to serve our God by attending to our kindred people, which is a Christian principle. Back to Hitler. We want to take an active part, to work, to accept one another as brothers and unite in a common struggle so that one day the hour will come when we can step before the Lord and have the right to ask of him, Lord, you can see that we have changed. The German folk is no longer a folk of infamy, shame, self-reproach, faint-heartedness, and little faith. No, Lord, the German folk is once again strong in its will, strong in its persistence, strong in bearing any sacrifice. Lord, we will not give you up. Now bless our fight for freedom, and thus our German folk and fatherland. That's the end of Adolf Hitler's speech. I am certain that Adolf Hitler and the German people will indeed one day be blessed. Thank you for listening tonight. I will be here next Friday from Saline, Louisiana, with Luke chapter 4. I will be here next Saturday with Severus, and we will have a discussion which, I pray, defines white nationalism, what white nationalism should be, and how Christian identists, or identity Christians, as some people prefer, have an awful lot of common ground with white nationalists, and therefore we should not be at each other's throats. Praise Yahweh. Good night.